up, Geek Vibes Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press, our 24th episode. I am super pumped for tonight's show. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, but first things first, um, Jawan uh, is here with me. What's going on, Jawan? What's going on? Super ready to talk about the topics tonight. Indeed, sir. Uh, but but like I said, first things first, damn, that Infinity War trailer was badass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can't was. wait we to talk about this. Yes, I can't wait to talk about this on Sunday. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, we do an NBA podcast. Uh, usually every Wednesday around 9 o'clock, we do a uh, our, our flagship show, Geek Vibes Live, every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, and we're going to be talking uh, the Infinity War trailer along with the Punisher, um, along with some other topics. So be sure to join us then Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Shit's going to be fucking awesome. Um, but, yeah, let's get into some NBA talk because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we got some trouble in Memphis. James Fisdale has been fired by the Grizzlies after losing eight straight and, you know, for lack of anything better, pissing off Mark Gasol by benching him in the fourth quarter. Um, let's just start there. I mean, did did David Fisdale deserve to be fired, Jawan? Uh, honestly, no. But what it comes down to is Grizzlies have no idea what they're doing uh, as far as management. Uh, this is a team that at one time had Conley, uh, O.J. Mayo, Rudy Gay, Zach Randolph, and Marcus Gasol. All five of those guys in their prime. Couldn't make any of that work. Decided O.J. Mayo uh, wasn't worth the money, which he turned out not to be uh, down the road. Um, and let Rudy Gay go. This is a, That was a team that was primed to actually be something. Uh, you line that up with the fact that they had a coach at that time that had helped him win, uh, I believe it was like 52 or 54 games, and he got fired for it. So I Was mean, that Dave Yeager team, or was that the coach before Yeager? It was the coach before Yeager, and then Yeager had the same thing. So this is an yeah. organization that has not done what it needs to do to get over the hump so they could stop firing really good coaches. Uh, Fisdale, I, be, I believe, uh, had potential to be a really, really, really uh, good head coach. Um, he fought for his players. Uh, it didn't seem like, uh, you know, he was one of those coaches that, that was just in there ready to clean house uh, with the likes of like a Gasol or anything like that. Uh, we know the issues that we're hearing those two had. Uh, but this is an organization that uh, I, I'm not shocked by this because their last two head coaches won them 50 games. Oh, I'll say this. Had a 50-game win season, respectively, by, by each of them, and somehow they were both fired. So that organization clearly has no idea what it's doing. And, and I, don't, I don't like using this term because it's so, you know, it's, it's, it's confusing to a lot of people because then they think, well, no, they want to do its best. But they refuse to do what's necessary to get this team over the hump. I can't tell you how many free agents have, you know, high-class free agents have come and gone, and I haven't heard of any of them taking meetings in, in Memphis. None of them. None of them. Uh, and like I said, Memphis, when they had Randolph and Gasol in their prime uh, to team up with Conley, I felt like they were only maybe a piece or two away from actually being a legit contender threat. There wasn't – there's not much that would have stopped that team before the Warriors got Durant. 
from that team being somebody that you could look at and go, wow, if they maybe have one or two more uh, pieces, they could contend and go maybe seven games with the Warriors. So that organization clearly has no idea what it's doing. It does not shock me that they fired someone who had potential to be a, a really good head coach. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it is a terrible move by the organization. I mean, when we broke down our, our preseason picks as far as where we had the teams, um, you know, spaced out, uh, I mean, I had, I think I had the Grizzlies hovering right around 20th out of 30 teams. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected them to be good this season. You got rid of Tony Allen. You got rid of Vince Carter. You got rid of Zach Randolph. Now, I get it. They're all older guys. So you didn't want to pay Zach Randolph the, what, um, $12 million uh, a season three-year contract that the Kings were willing to pay him. Um, you didn't want to pay uh, Vince Carter $8 million for a season, and you didn't want to uh, pay – well, but here's the, here's the real crazy one is uh, Tony Allen signed a veteran minimum contract with New Orleans, so I don't know why they didn't – uh, didn't want to bring Tony Allen back, especially for you know what he meant to that team with his defensive intensity. Um, but I mean, you gutted your team. Nevertheless, I understand why you had to do it, but you shouldn't go into the season expecting that you're going to be great. Now you also have Connolly, who can't stay healthy. I mean, he's had that hamstring injury that has bothered him since last season, um, and it's just kind of reared its head again. And I mean, you could just see even while he was playing earlier on in the season, he was not healthy. He was not playing like the Mike Connolly of two years ago, not even close. And, you know, part of that could be age-related, but I think more, even more so it's just the injury. Um, so, I mean, I think when you break it all down and you look at everything that has happened, there is just no, there's no reason why you should pin that, that blame on the coach. I think, I almost wonder if they – kind of got a little self-aggrandizement, uh, uh, if you will, um, when they started the season off so well. You know, they beat Golden State, they beat Houston, and they started the season off like, what, 5-1 and one or something like that? And, yeah. and then, you know, they, they kind of got in their heads like, wow, yeah, we're actually going to compete. And I actually was like – damn, I, I guess I, maybe I was wrong about Memphis, but no, I wasn't. I mean, they're an older team. They shouldn't have paid Mike Connolly all that money. I know why they paid Mike Connolly all that money, because if they didn't, <clears throat> there was going to be other teams that were going to be willing to pay him because that was 2016, the year where everybody got paid. You know, Luhal Deng, Timothy Mozgov, and Joe Kim Noah all got huge deals. So, of course, Mike Connolly's going to get a max deal. Um but you know, you, you I just feel like you're 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 crazy to to think that you're going to be any better than you know a, a verge playoff team, and that's kind of what they are right now. You know, they're sitting right around uh, the eighth spot. I think they're tenth, um, maybe eleventh, and you know they've mm-hmm. uh, obviously lost eight games in a row, but. You know, you've had Conley out for most of those games, and you haven't haven't had him healthy even when you've had him on the court. And you know what? Like, I, I get that Mark Gasol doesn't like being benched in the fourth quarter, and I can understand, and I don't even fault him for, for saying it publicly. Um, but 
if 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 there's any sort of credence to Marcus all wanting him to be fired, that to me is stupid. Um, now, I mean, obviously, I don't know that, but you know, that's what a, you know. Some people are reporting um, that that Gasol wanted him gone, and if it was just a team decision, like management decision, which I think makes more sense, then I think that's stupid. I mean, you, you, your your expectations were were too high, and Fisdale is is an awesome coach. He is every bit the kind of coach that that I feel like any player would want to have in their corner um, and any fan base would love to have uh, to root for. I mean, they printed up shirts with his take that for data. Like what are, what are all those fans going to do with their shirts now? They're just, they're worthless. They don't mean anything anymore. That's, that's a damn shame. That's, it's a, like I could understand the Earl Watson firing, even though I wasn't a hundred percent on board with that either. Um, cause I mean, we all know the Suns are just garbage. I mean, anyway, they have a, a lot of young pieces, but they don't have a very well constructed team. Um, just a lot of random pieces of, of young talent. Um, and this team is, is kind of the opposite end. They just have a lot of, uh, a lot of random pieces thrown together of older talent. Um, and of course Chandler Parsons, who we'll get to, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I I think I think it was a terrible decision. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, um, definitely a terrible decision. But if you're Memphis now, uh, you put yourself in a tough position because, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were trying to tell your fan base and obviously the world that the reason your team was losing was because of the head coach, then that means you need to get back to winning. So right. that means I better not see Marcus Saul have. Uh, I'm not going to say a bad game because everyone has a bad game. Obviously, he's not going to drop 40 every game. But I better not see a Marcus Saul that looks like he doesn't want to be on the court. I better right. see Marcus Saul bringing it every night. If you can't score, I better see you bringing defensive intensity or rebounding or getting a lot of assists. When you go out and you make a statement like that. He wouldn't have done that to Mike. I didn't like being benched. And then the next day your coach gets fired. You know the same situation we had like that? James Harden and Kevin McHale. James Harden, mm-hmm. I, I, I had nothing to do with him being fired. Really? You didn't? Yeah, you did. So the organization that kind of went to the conference finals with this guy just decided to fire him? No. No, that doesn't make any sense. Same thing with Le- LeBron and David Black. He took him to the finals, lost Kyrie, lost Kevin Love, and how do you get rewarded by that? Being fired like a handful of games into the season? These players, when they try to come out and say that they're not responsible for coaches being fired, that's ridiculous. No one believes that. Uh, Fizdale had this team starting off on fire. I believe Gasol didn't like him for whatever reason. That maybe leaked out to some other players who might have felt the same way. And they just played bad for him. So, like I said, now that he's gone, there's no excuse for you to play bad. You should get right back on the saddle and start winning again. And like I said, the biggest spotlight is on Marcus Gasol. I promise you, I better not see him. I'm not going to do anything anyway, but I better not see him playing <laughs> I'm going to talk shit about you on a podcast, though, Marcus Gasol. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, he needs to bring it every night. And like I said, that doesn't mean, because I know a lot of people are going to go, well, you can't, can't win them all, can't chop 30 every game. No, it's called effort. I better see him giving effort every single game. Excuse me. And that wasn't yeah. – uh, when LeBron got, got black-fired, he, he followed that up, was leading that team right back to the finals. When Harden got uh, – McHale fired, he followed that up with what I thought was an MVP season. So Marcus All needs to make sure he's on par with that because you can't get your coach fired. The organization can't make it seem like the coach was the reason we started losing, and now that he's gone, you are still losing. That cannot be the case. You got to fix it somehow. Or Memphis Grizzlies need to tell their fan base, listen, Marcus All, we love you. You got to go. Conley, we love you. We can find any possible way to get rid of you. You got to go. We're rebuilding. You need to start well, see, getting into that, and that, that mind frame. And that's the thing in a nutshell. I think I think Gasol is movable. I I mean, it's not gonna. I don't think you're gonna get anything super great back for him because he's like 33 years old, um, and a 33 year old seven footer is just very risky. Um, but I do think that he's he's definitely a movable contract. Um, Conley is a whole different story to me because Conley is making 28 million dollars this season. He's he's got four years left on his deal. Um, that's just a lot. I mean, you're taking on four years of like 120 million dollars or, or or close, uh, maybe more actually, um, but somewhere in that neighborhood. Like, I, like it, it would have to be the perfect storm. I I can think of maybe one or two teams who might take that risk, but even still, like. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get any real value back for him. So I almost think you with Conley you you kind of just have to play it out with Conley um, and and hope that you know he he stays healthy and and plays well and you know if he does and and maybe next season or the season after that if he's backs are kind of playing. Uh, his his kind of game, then maybe you can trade him when he doesn't still have four years left and, and he's got these injury concerns. Um, but, I, I mean, I just don't see any, any real suitors for him as far as, like, right now. I mean, maybe Denver, maybe. But if I'm Denver, like, I'm not giving you anything. Like, uh, I mean, I'll give you well, – I'll, I'll, I'll give you – yeah, I'll give you for Reed. You'll have to take uh, Daryl Arthur, and then maybe I mean I guess I'll give you Moutier because I feel like Jamal Murray is the better of those two players, um, and and that way you know you you plug Connolly in there. I mean that trade would work as far as the money, but then I mean you you got to think about this though. I mean you have to re-sign Barton next year. Um, you have to re-sign Jokic in two years, and they'll probably go ahead and just and just get him an extension next year because you don't. That's not the kind of player that you want to wait on. You know, you just want to go ahead and get him locked up. Um, so, you know, he'll probably go ahead and get the extension next year too. I mean, you're looking at paying a lot of money. So if if you're bringing on somebody like Mike Connolly, you've already got Millsap on the books for thirty million, and he's banged up and hurt, and not playing right now. Um, Big, big props to the Hawks for walking away before uh, before he started the decline. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, man. I mean, I I don't know. Like I said, I don't like I said, I don't. I feel like it. If put it this way, 
um, if if I was in the position of Denver, I would have much rather traded Fareed and Moutier for for uh, for Bledsoe than I would to trade the two of them and get rid of Arthur's contract for Connolly. Um, obviously, Bledsoe's a lot cheaper. Um, and I mm-hmm. honestly, I think that would have been a better deal for Phoenix. I mean, the pick that they got is, is not anything great. I don't think they're going to be able to flip Greg Monroe for anything special. Uh, maybe, no. uh, you know, like I proposed last week, if they, if they traded, um, if they traded Monroe to, um, to the magic for, for Biombo and a, and a future first rounder, um, like that, that I, I could see that working out. Um, but then you're having to take on Biombo's contract. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I just don't see any suitors for Connolly. Um, that's all I see a number of them. And I, I have one that I, uh, I, I talked with you pre-show, um, that I'll break down next week when we got Joel back. Um, cause I definitely want to get his input on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be a tricky situation, uh, for Memphis. Cause I definitely feel like regardless of what they want to do, they're going to be forced to be a seller come the trade deadline because they're going to be, you know, six, seven, eight games out of the playoffs. Like they're just not I mean, going to be good enough. I, I will say this. You, you could find the Grizzlies in a situation uh, like Dallas is in to where they just have a player that just doesn't mind going down with the ship. Now I know it's a little different because uh, Dirk has already had a championship. So it, his right. legacy is already cemented, so he doesn't give a freak. He's he's not even in it for the money either, because I think he took like eight pay cuts. Yeah. Um So I mean, it's it's in a situation to where Gasol's under contract, so as long as he enjoys getting paid and they enjoy paying him, they may not trade him. I mean, as as much yeah. as we think it's a good idea, again, this is an organization that has no idea what to do with talent. I mean, you yeah. got guys that. Scouted Parson <laughs> from Dallas right. and got him. What? <laughs> why would you right. do that? After why would two you knee that? surgeries, so, three? It was at least two, two maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it might have been three. Yeah, so this this, <laughs> this team, I mean, you would have been better off was, just keeping I believe it was two. I believe it was two, and I think the third one was last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Because um, yeah, he was out, I mean, he was out a long been, time last season. You would have been better off just keeping Rudy Gay. Um, but, yeah, this organization has no idea what to do with talent, uh, how to cultivate talent. Um, you know, so, I, listen, they could keep Gasol and Con- – well, Conley is kind of more so definitely going to have to keep. Uh, but I could see the season ending with Gasol and uh, Conley being on the team. Maybe at the end of the season, Gasol asking uh, for a trade. That, that, and that, I think you that, should ask for a trade. I, I mean, I, I mean, the thing is, right now you're not helping them, and you don't have to be like I demand a trade. But I, if I was Gasol, I would go to the front office and say, "Look, like we're, not, like you might as well trade me now while you can still get something for me, and send me to to a team where I can, you know, at least go to the playoffs and, and compete on on the higher level, um, and, and see, try I to get think... something for me now." Like I, I don't, I don't have any problem with him doing it. It's just like kind of the same thing as, as the Kyrie Irving situation. Like I always had Kyrie's back for for going to management and being like, "Yo, dude, I just I want to be traded." Like that's that's totally that's one hundred percent cool in my book. And I, if I was Gasol, I would do it. 
The biggest issue I have with that, though, is we can agree he got Fizdale fired. And we can yeah, kind true. of agree. So how are you going to get the coach agree. fired and then ask for a trade? Right. And then leave. That's, that's my point. I think the organization yeah. only fired Fizdale for Gasol. So you can't have them fire a guy that can maybe build a future for them, and then you're like, yeah, I kind of want to go too. Like, no, we could have kept him and traded you. So yeah. I think if you're Gasol and I think if you're Gasol and you ask for the trade, I personally don't respect that. I'm not saying I don't respect him. I don't respect that move. Uh, if the organization decides it's it's you know best for them to move on from you, that's completely different. But if you got right. that coach fired, which we can kind of agree that he did, and then you ask to leave also, that to me is dirty, and I don't respect that move at all. Yeah, no, I feel you there. I, I, I can, I, it, my thing is, I don't necessarily think that, I don't think Gasol got him fired. Like, I don't think Gasol went, I don't think it's quite the same as, like, LeBron and, and Harden, where they were like, you know, hey, it's either me or him, you know. I, I think it was more a situation where, uh, like we've said, you know, throughout this, this conversation that I don't, they don't, they don't, that, that organization doesn't really know what it's doing, especially when it comes to the hiring and firing of head coaches. Um, so, or particular more, more so the firing of head coaches. So I think it was more, they, they kind of, I, I think it's more of an organizational thing than it had to do with, with Gasol. I think if Gasol does have involvement it would be like, oh well, our star player is pissed, so you know we we already you know don't feel like Fizdale is doing a good job, you know we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and fire him to show our allegiance more so than you know uh, Gasol went and said, hey, it's either me or him, you know. I mean, it could yeah. be that. It could definitely be that, and I I I wouldn't necessarily argue it. I'm just saying, and and and. Either way, it's 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 bad organizational management. But like, if I'm Memphis and Gasol comes to me and says, "Hey, it's either me or the coach," I'd be like, "Motherfucker, you ain't LeBron, you ain't Harden. Like, go get go go yeah. back to the fucking bench." Like, I like I'm sorry, Mark Gasol, <laughs> you are you are a really 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 damn good player, but you're 33 years old. You're not long for this league. Like I'm not making a I'm not making a decision on on my head coach because you weren't happy you got benched in the fourth quarter. You know who else who weren't happy he got benched in the fourth quarter? Hassan Whiteside. And you know what? He's a lot younger than you, and he's got a lot longer career ahead. And you know what Pat Riley said? Go sit your ass back down. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So. Only difference is though that organization knows what it's doing, and there's a That's guy the- upstairs. There's a guy upstairs that you you don't you, you don't trifle with. So right. uh, when head coach tells you to sit on the bench, nine times out of ten that's coming from upstairs. So right. upstairs enforces it. So you know yeah. not to not not to to give any mess about that. And Memphis, yeah. I'm sure Gasol, I'm sure Gasol felt very comfortable, uh, you know, uh, saying what he said about the coach. Uh, you know, uh, to the press, because who in the organization was going to tell him any different? Nobody, right. and we see why. They support him over their coach. Why they fired the coach? Yeah. So, I, like yeah. I said, I don't disagree with you. If if the take you uh, you have is that um, it's not it's not necessarily completely on Gasol. Uh, well, I would say you know, it was more I, I don't inadvertent. Necessarily... 
Right. I don't necessarily think he did that either, but I, I would one way or another, he got Fisdale fired. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I don't Whether know it was malicious or inadvertent. I think we can both agree yeah. on that, though, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I even think it came to a, a point of the organization asking him uh, if it'd be okay if they fired the head coach, and he let it be known he could probably care less. So it's not necessarily <laughs> right. like he went to them, but I do believe the organization asked him, and he was like, yeah, kick him out, kick rocks. Yeah. I mean, you got rid of good yeah. head coaches, so why not? Keep it going. Yeah. Hey, how about this? I got a, I got a, a, a side hot take for you, all right? Um, of course, we'll get to your, your hottest of hot takes uh, later on in the show, but I just want to know your opinion on this. Um, I say, and I know this, this is a little crazy, but that's why it's a hot take. Um, I say fire Billy Donovan and bring in Fisdale. If I'm OKC, like, first of all, Fisdale and Russell Westbrook, I think would just be peas and carrots, man. I think that the, their, like, mentality, their approach to the game is just so similar. Like, Fisdale is, is wants to, like, kind of, he's got that grind mentality, um, and so does Westbrook. Like, that gives 100% every single game type mentality. Um, I, I think he could p- potentially be a good fit. And I think it's interesting to me that the <laughs> – I really do think that the Thunder went from Scott Brooks to a poor man Scott Brooks in in OKC. Like that's really how I look at Billy Donovan. He's almost like the exact same thing. Like why'd you fire Scott Brooks if you were just going to bring in Billy Donovan? Um, I I think a coach like uh, Fisdale, who's got a little more fire, um, and and I think just with with team and especially Russell Westbrook. Mainly, um, my only concern would be how he would uh, gel with Mello. Um, but you know, when it's all said and done, if you as long as you gel with your team's best player, and I think he would he would gel just fine with with Paul George. I think if if those relationships could work, Mello would have you know. I mean, he would just kind of have to fall into line. Um, but what do you? I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that the um, do you think that would well, be beneficial to the Thunder? Well, one, I'll start with the fact that OKC just lost tonight. Aaron Gordon dropped 40 points on them, 15 boys. I'm telling so you. Shout out to the Magic. Um, they need I'll, to fire Billy Donovan one way or another because they ain't got a lot of time to figure shit out. I don't disagree with that. Um, I will say this, though. OKC, since its creation, has been very loyal to its coaches. I think it's only had two, maybe three coaches. Since they moved I think to OKC? you're right. I think I think Scott Brooks was the the first coach once the team yeah. was in OKC. I think and then, I, I want to say I could be wrong, but I want to say when they moved from Seattle to OKC, that's when they hired him that that off season. Um, so yeah, yeah, I believe you're right. I think they've only had two coaches in their you know what eleven, twelve years, the ten, ten, eleven so, years, something like that. They're very loyal on coaches, and I think the the biggest thing that saved um, uh, what's his name? Damn, I just forgot his name. Uh, Billy Donovan or uh, yes, Billy Donovan. Okay, Billy Donovan. I think what saved him last year from being fired in the off season is that Westbrook is so much of a monster. He led that team literally by himself. Uh, Coaching didn't even matter. He led that team by himself to the playoffs. 
that saved them. Because uh, the coach, you know, because anytime a team that doesn't look like it's going to make the playoffs makes the playoffs, you can't just dismiss the head coach. Well, you can. I'm sorry. You can. Um, so I, I, I'd be fine with the idea of him being fired. Not really a, fa- a fan of him. Wasn't really a fan of Scott Brooks. I thought Scott Brooks in, uh, in close game situations just had no idea what to do. And I think Billy Donovan is very similar to that. That's why you're having issues on Westbrook, uh, Mello, and PG and late game situations. They're not the best. Um, I think uh, if he's gone, only reason I don't know if Fizdale is a direct answer is because you're bringing him in in the middle of the seat. Well, I won't yep. even say the middle. Oh, and of the I season, get it. But oh, I get it. That was. I mean, we could talk about him it. In. Yeah, I mean, we Go talked ahead. about it two weeks ago, uh, and whether you know, fire and Donovan was the right, right kind of move, and and I think we both said, you know, it's it's a little too early in the season. Plus, you know, trying to bring someone in mid season when you, like your your whole season is riding on, like keeping Paul George so that you can keep you know this this unit together. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's a very risky proposition. I just think at this point, I mean, regardless of who you get, I mean, I, I think Donovan's got to go, man. Like, and I think, I think Fizdale would just be the kind of right fit for Russell Westbrook. Um, and you know, that's, that's really my main, my kind of main concern there. Yeah, no, like I said, I don't disagree with you. I just don't think you could do it now. I think the time would have been in the off season, obviously not for Fizdale, but to fire uh, Billy Donovan. Because what you could have done was just promoted the next guy up uh, to be head coach. So if OKC started to go through the growing pains like they are now and Fizdale was available, it'd be an easier transition because you didn't have, like, uh, a guy that you were looking to go forward with in the, right. you know, the backup head coach becoming the head coach. So I think in a situation like that, it would have been a lot easier. But now I'm not saying it's impossible because it could happen, like, literally tomorrow. But um, I just I, – I don't see how necessarily things work uh, that quickly. Uh, and you're not telling Paul George, uh, you know, that, that you have a sense of consistency if you're willing to, in the middle of a season, get rid of a head coach and completely – because with a new head coach is a new game plan, a new scheme, a new everything. Right. Who's to say Paul George is going to want to play for that guy going forward. So you're risking a lot, not saying that he's happy with the guys playing for now, but it's very risky. I think you, you just let Billy Donovan play it out. Um, and then you have to get rid of him this offseason. I mean, the only, only uh, reason, well, the only way I can see them getting rid of him before the end of this season is literally if OKC is not in the playoff picture uh, by like January. <laughs> well, and that's the thing I'm saying. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm saying. Like, you might want to get in front of this before it gets to that scenario. Um, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I, I like listen. Two weeks ago, uh, you know, I was right there with you. Like, I mean, it's a it's a very very risky situation to fire uh, to fire your head coach at this point in time, especially what is on the line for OKC. Um, but I mean, I think it's it's almost. It's almost as risky a proposition to keep him at this point, but we'll see how it plays yeah. out. I think it'll be a really interesting, um, really interesting situation there. Uh, but let's move on. Um, let's move on and talk a little bit about Derrick Rose. Um, 
due to his, his laundry list of injuries, uh, he's he's away from the uh, Cavs. And according to Woj, he is contemplating retirement. Uh, should D. Rose retire, uh, first and foremost, and what will be his legacy? Um, he should not retire. Uh, I'm not 100% so that, sure what this recent – Because of that Adidas contract, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's number one. Um, I'm not 100% sure what this most recent injury is. Um, but I was telling Joel uh, the other day when we were discussing this, Derrick Rose played a lot of games for the Knicks last year. I mean, like mm-hmm. way more than we thought he was going to play. Um, right. And he looked really, really, really good. Um, I think he's just down on himself right now. Uh, I don't think the current injury he has is something that's like season-ending or even something that puts him on the shelf for for months. I think he's just tired of the idea of being injured. But that comes with the game. Uh, You know, you have a chance this year to go with a team to the finals and win a championship. You owe it not only to the team uh, that believed in you enough to, to bring you in, but you owe it to yourself to try to get a ring. I mean, honestly, a ring on top of the fact that uh, he had an MVP season, that is like the, the the cherry on top. That would definitely lock you up as a Hall of Famer. But like I was telling Joel, it's so difficult because in this current age, I feel like there's a lot of players that necessarily shouldn't be Hall of Famers that probably will be. Um, you know, just because of their impact to the game, but not necessarily uh, resulting in, like, success of championships or even MVPs. So he's got an MVP. And you said to me the other day, you couldn't even remember the last MVP that wasn't a Hall of Famer. So I, I don't think there is one. His, Yeah, I, I don't think there is one either. I think his legacy is intact because he meant so much to the game before his injury. Um. And especially if he can come back and bounce back and help this team uh, win a championship this year. Like I said, I think a ring this year is the cherry on top of his legacy. But I do not think he should walk away from the game. I think he's down on himself. I think he should be away for a little bit to kind of try to find himself again, find the happiness that basketball brought him uh, once upon a time, and just kind of get back into that that mode and, and come back and be the Derrick Rose that we know and fear, uh, you know, when he's on the court. Uh, so I don't think he should retire. And the number one reason why he shouldn't retire, you said it at the top. Uh, Adidas kind of made it known that if he retires from basketball, that $80 million that he is, uh, is guaranteed through that deal, yeah, that kind of goes bye-bye. So if Adidas is willing to still pay you when you're injured and not on the court, uh, it's best that you at least just sit on the bench and just quietly collect that $80 million throughout however however long you, you plan on uh, just sticking around. But, no, I don't think he should retire. I think he's just down on himself. And the idea of being injured year after year after year is wearing on him. But he had to have known after, like, the second or third time this is going to be a problem with you. You just have to get with the team and manage it better. Um, so, yeah, so I think, honestly, if they had Isaiah to start the year, he wouldn't have had these issues that he was having because he wouldn't have been on the court as much. But, yeah, I no, don't think he should retire. I, yet. And that is exactly where I was going with that, with 
I'm 100% on board with you. So we are two for two so far tonight. Um, so we're going to have to start butting heads at some point. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I, and I think that is an excellent point. Um, I think the fact that he was thrust into the starting lineup, like, at the beginning of the season, A, it never made sense to me for, for the way that the team – should play together. I mean, you and I have talked about this and have agreed on this many, many, many times uh, with discussion between you, me, and Joel. Uh, you, you don't put Derrick Rose and and LeBron James on the court at the same time because they don't – they're just not the kind of players that gel well together. Um, I'm not saying they can't coexist on the court for a small amount of time, but you don't want to play them at length together. And you and I have discussed that and both agree there. Um, but he should be playing 12 to 16 minutes a game. Like, that's what you brought him in for, to play 12 to 16 minutes a game, get you 8 to 14 points a game uh, when, you know, when LeBron needs a rest. Because uh, you don't – you should not be playing LeBron James, you know, uh, what, 36, 37 minutes a night. Um, that's yeah. just – you're just asking for it. Like, I know he's LeBron James. I know he's inhuman. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, he's also, what, 32, 33 years old? I mean, he's getting up there. you got to be careful. So, I and I think that has a lot to do with it. If they had, like, put it this way, if he had come, if, if they had signed Derrick Rose and, and they didn't make any sort of Kyrie trade and they had Kyrie, I don't think there would be this problem. Um, because he would have just been that guy who who came in and gave you just a handful of minutes each game, and he would be fine. And I think you're right. I think, and I think it's kind of strange. It's almost I want to I want to kind of I know it's it's a loose comparison, but I want to kind of like compare it a little bit to um, you know KD and how his departure from OKC. Like, it's, it's still in his head. Um, I, I feel like Rose is kind of that way with his injuries. Um, and it's just always in the back of his head. And it's like he can't get past it. Like, it, it, it's just like his personality is built into the fabric of who he is. And it's so unfortunate because it, it, he could still be a, a very, very, very good role player, better than average role player. Um, and especially – as you know, a seventh, eighth, ninth man of, on a team, like just just a guy who you can plug in and and can give you quality minutes when you need them. And I I, I think when I, Isaiah Thomas comes back, I think we'll see Rose come back and have a positive impact because he, he like you said, I mean he he played well at times for New York last year. And, I mean, I really do think that he's still got something to offer. And as far as, far as his legacy, I, I kind of agree with you. I think if he, if he stays with it and wins a ring with this team, I think that would kind of be the cherry on top that would get him into the Hall of Fame. Um, if, he, if they don't win a championship or if he doesn't win a championship, I, I think – it's it's hard to say because everybody knows that the reason that he doesn't have the stats, that he doesn't have the longevity, is because of his injuries. Uh, and I think 
it would be a shame knowing how great of a player he was for him to, you know, not get that kind of recognition. If he doesn't make it, and he may not, I think it's about a 50-50 shot. Like you said, there are players who make the Hall of Fame who uh, Derrick Rose is obviously better than, or at least was way better than when he was healthy. Um, but, you know, the fact that he doesn't have the longevity, if he doesn't make it, he'll be the best player to never make the Hall of Fame. Best player well, who's not in the Hall of Fame. Just thinking about it, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I believe Tracy McGrady is a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I also he, believe, he got inducted this year. Yeah, I also believe Grant Hill is in contention for I could be wrong on that. but No, let's, I'm let's pretty sure Grant Hill's already in. Okay, so then perfect. Those are both guys who didn't have that much longevity because of injuries. And they got That's it. That's true. Derrick Rose has something they, they didn't have, over them. They didn't have the same kind of same no, they kind didn't. of like they just didn't. just plummet that that Derrick Rose right. had. But also keep in mind that neither one of them were MVPs. So I was just about to say that. You know, uh, granted, the, the biggest granted, difference you, is, had, you you had them playing with with Michael and Kobe as as their. But you know, I mean, Derrick Rose had to beat out LeBron, and and granted, LeBron deserved that MVP that year. But nevertheless, like it's nothing new and, that. Say what? And let's not forget. Let's not forget in the East uh, when he was in his prime. That was when the big three was there in Boston. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, Orlando wasn't a joke. Honestly, your Hawks weren't a joke. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, the East wasn't a, a playground like it is now. The East was strong. Uh, yeah. The East was, I wouldn't say eight strong. I don't think they were eight strong, but I think they were at least uh, six six deep to where you were like, wow. Yeah, and, like and the Bulls really, were really number one. Teams. Yeah, they were the yeah. number one team that season. So, um, yeah. so I mean, so even I though I think if, LeBron I think deserved the award, you know, we we all know that they, they try to kind of spread that award out. You know, Michael didn't win it every right. year, just like LeBron doesn't win it every – like, that's nothing new. They, they try to give it to just somebody. Just like Kobe and Shaq didn't. Exactly. You know, Shaq didn't win it, you know, four years in a row like he should have. So, you know, I mean, I, 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 but I do think you make a valid point, you know, because T-Mac did get inducted this past year, and, and I'm, I'm fairly positive that Grant Hill was in there. Um, and they had probably longer careers and more production, but they weren't as – I will say this. I don't think – I'm not sure T-Mac was as good as prime Derrick Rose. Um, Grant Hill's – people forget uh, how great Grant Hill was. Like, Grant Hill was really, really good. Uh, like, really great. Um, but, I mean, he 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 had seven years of injury concerns where he just didn't play, you know. So, right. very, very similar uh, to, to Derrick Rose. I don't think – I don't think T-Max injuries were as severe as either Grant Hill or Derrick Rose. Um, no. But, but yeah, no, I mean, I think you make, you make a very valid point with both of those, um, both of those players, especially because uh, I, I think maybe even more so, uh, more so with Grant Hill, but I think T-Max is a fair comparison too, because T-Max didn't really break out until about what his fifth year in the league. It wasn't until he went to the magic. 
because um, when he was in Toronto, well, he was just a role player, you know. Derrick Rose yeah. and Grant Hill were, like, immediate breakout players, you know. Very true. Uh, but T-Mac, uh, what he did, what him and Vince Carter did for Toronto, and the fact that they were, like, walking highlight reels, um, it was just, like, his his impact to what he was doing as far as them being, like, uh, you know, uh, highlight reels on a nightly basis and just what they were doing for Toronto in general uh, is what kind of made people look at T-Mac. But I, I won't disagree with you that his uh, his rise to stardom started in, in Orlando and then flourished in, in, in Houston. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of hard to say, you know, to kind of, you know, compare Derrick Rose to T-Mac as far as, who is better only because I've seen more from T-Mac on a consistent basis than I could of Derrick Rose because of injury. Well, here's the so thing. I could go off. They're, I, could they're go both, off I could say. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that in their prime, they're both elite scorers. Like, that's what they did. Right. They both scored the right. ball better than – as good as anybody in the league. There is a big difference, though, between the two. T Mac oh, yeah. T Mac was a way he was a way better ball. shooter. Right? Oh yeah. He was a way yeah. better shooter than but, but here's but the I thing will, though. I, I mean T Mac was kinda like a poor man's Kevin Durant. Like he was like real slender build, real long, but he didn't he didn't like like nobody in in Derrick Rose's prime, nobody could get to the bucket like Derrick Rose. And like Derrick Rose like reinvented the point guard position. Um like that's you can see what like so many people want out of their point guards now, whether it be Russell Westbrook, John Wall, um, even younger guys like De'Aaron Fox or, or Dennis Smith Jr., like Ben Simmons. They're, that's that's like what point guards are expected to do now. They're expected uh, Dennis Schroeder supposed to you know be able to drive to the bucket and either get a basket or space out the floor, create and dish out the ball. Very like that 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 kind of play was kind of reinvented. And I'm not going to say Derrick Rose invented it, but it was reinvented uh, with Derrick Rose. I, I think his contribution to the game cannot be overlooked, and nor uh, no. should it be understated. I mean, the the way you describe Derrick Rose is the same way I always felt about Penny Hardaway. Um, mm. I always felt Penny Hardaway Absolutely. Uh, kind of redefined what a point guard was. And I always felt as though he needed to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure if he is or if he isn't. I don't, uh, but I don't I always, know if he is either. I always believed he damn sure, I always believed he damn, uh, damn sure should have been a Hall of Famer. He should be if he's not, he, yeah. He did, because of what he did to that point guard position. Um, mm. I think Penny Hardaway is is uh, is the first Derrick Rose. Um, yeah. Just yeah, I think there's a good I mean, argument. His, his build, his athleticism, uh, he played really good defense. Uh, God damn, I love that Orlando Magic team. Um, oh, I know, and right? And he was explosive at the rim. He was explosive at the, I still don't understand how they – oh, Olajuwon is why they didn't win a ring. I was I was thinking to myself, how did they yeah. not win a ring? Olajuwon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He was the ring stopper for a lot of guys. Uh, but, yeah, no, to, to get back to the, to the conversation, I think if – I was just saying I personally couldn't uh, compare the two because I felt as though I have I wasn't able to see uh, all of what Rose could be. But I think what kills my argument in that respect is you could go Rose's one season 
versus T-Mac's career, and I don't think T-Mac in his career had a season like Rose did when he won the MVP. So that right. would be the biggest difference between the two. So I, I, I'd be fine with that. But to me, I love T-Mac. Um, oh, me too. Excuse me, in his, uh, in his Toronto days. Uh, I just thought he was super See, explosive. I love uh, T-Mac uh, in those Orlando days, room. man. Oh, he was that great. Was, that was Honestly, my T-Mac. I preferred him. I preferred him in Houston than I did in Orlando. Oh, uh, I, loved, I loved him he, in dude, Houston, man. He was, when he was elite, he was lighting it up in Orlando. Yeah, like I, that, give, that, I, that give, was, I give that to you. That, that was when he was, wait for it, magic. <laughs> I, he was go. just so good. <laughs> yep. I had to, man. Um, i tell you this, though. Uh, that um, I forget what it's called, but that Penny Hardaway... Um, uh, Shaq Magic uh, 30 for 30 Like have you seen that That 30 for 30 yeah, they I did on, on, Oh dude so good And I'll tell you one thing I can't wait to see the 30 for 30 That, that, that whenever they finally Whenever D. Rose calls it quits That's going to make one hell of a 30 for 30 um, Absolutely it's just the, the drama I mean his brother is kind of a crazy person Um like a lot of influence on on Derrick Rose and like uh, had a lot of I'll, a lot of shit talking going on uh, in the press in Chicago between him and uh, you know the Gar Gar Pax or whatever the hell they call that that yeah Gar Pax yeah I'll say and like, this yeah I'll say this the greatest thirty for thirty will be one of these two either one of these two. Uh, Kobe and Shaq's 30 for 30, or LeBron James is 30 for 30. One of those two might go down as one. I'm not going to say the, but one of the See, greatest 30 for 30 he's ever made. I don't think LeBron's is going to be that great. Uh, I'm not even saying it's not going to be great. Like I just think like because LeBron is so in the limelight, even more so than like anybody else. It's like we're not learning anything we don't already know. Like the reason thirty for no, thirty is so good is because it, it, things get highlighted and touched upon that you're like, oh fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm just you're saying, you're not gonna get very much forget, if, if any of that with LeBron. Let's not forget some of the the greatest moments in LeBron's in LeBron's career: his decision to leave Cleveland, his decision to make the Heatles, Delonte West sleeping with his mother. Him and That's Kyrie uh, being out on, you know, have, having out. See, I'd also like, like to get they, more into you that. You know they ain't going to touch on Delonte and his mom. They ain't going to touch on that. This is 30 for 30. <laughs> they ain't going to do that. Listen, if 30, if 30 for <laughs> I'm not 30 saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying they ain't. <laughs> if they want to be legit, dip your toe in it. Just dip your toe in it is all I'm saying. <laughs> just dip your toe in it. No, but I would, I would say one of the best things of, of LeBron's career that I'd like to get more out of is um, – I don't remember it as well as I, I as well as I would like to. Is that whole rivalry with Washington? I mean, th- that is the only time I think of basketball history that basketball leaked into hip hop. Remember, Jay Z came out of nowhere and just made a diss track for Deshaun Stevenson. Like that was like some <laughs> of the greatest stuff I had ever seen in my life. Like I need yeah. more of that story. I need more of that story, yeah. and I need Gilbert Arenas to be in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, God, that there's another one like Gilbert Arenas, man. But we ain't got time to uh, to reminisce about all the old players who were once like truly great. Um, we yeah. got to get into our next topic. And speaking of LeBron, 
he was ejected for the first time in his career Tuesday night against the Heat, breaking a streak of 1,082 games without an ejection. Um, I'm going to keep it simple. Should he been should he have been ejected? No. Uh, honestly, no. Uh, watching that game live when it happened and then obviously watching it a billion times uh, afterwards, he was fouled, and this is something you will never hear me say again. Uh, he was completely <laughs> fouled that entire way up the court and all through that play. Um, I think, uh, according to the ref, the ref gave him a warning, and then LeBron, you know, the the air the, the air swing that the ref was saying he took, and then the M and Fers and stuff like that that the ref was saying was excessive is why the ref said he ejected him. That's BS. That's BS. Honestly, I don't really pay attention to refs during games. I don't recall ever seeing that ref. Uh, but then again, I could have. But I don't recall seeing that ref. A lot of these refs like to make names. Uh, we remember Joey Crawford uh, ejected uh, Tim Duncan when he was sitting on the bench just laughing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a I lot of these refs, a lot of these refs are, are power hungry. I'm not saying that this ref is, but I do not think that should have been an ejection. I thought that was maybe a little excessive. I think you give him one tech, tell him to go sit down. If he follows you, then you have to eject him. But I honestly think that was excessive on the ref's part. I think, and again, this will be the only time I say these words. I think LeBron was right in this situation, and I do not believe he deserved to be ejected for it. Yeah. Um, I I halfway agree with you, and this is why. Um, in my playing days, uh, I used to I, – I got a couple technicals from time to time for being a little too animated. Um, and the thing was, like – I almost wonder, like, it's hard to tell with the context of the video and not actually, like, hearing it word for word and, and being on the court and, and, and seeing what transpired. But if LeBron was, like, said something like, you know, motherfucker, man, come on. Like, that's that's obviously a foul. Like, that's not LeBron saying listen up, motherfucker, like, you better make that call. Like, it's not the same context. Like, people, when they're on the court, they say that kind of stuff all the time, all the time. And it's not like it's not like LeBron James was calling the ref motherfucker. He was saying, like, like just using it as a, as a point of emphasis to, to, to uh, vocalize his frustration. Like, like it happens all the time. Do you feel me on that? You know what I'm what I'm getting across here. Yeah, I I, I completely understand what you're saying, um, but I I I think we're kind of in 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 that frame of mind al- along the same lines of agreeing with each other that it kind of seemed a little excessive, I mean, especially coming from a Le- like if this was Demarcus Cousins, I would kind of get it. Um, but LeBron, I, I just, I, I don't know. I thought that was really weird when, when he got ejected. Cause I'm just like, no one ever ejects LeBron like ever, ever. He's been right. fouled out, but that's even rare. So I'm like, I, I didn't understand it, but <laughs> Miami was not going to win that game regardless. But I just, honestly, I right. didn't understand how he was ejected off of, uh, what I felt just 
wasn't uh, wasn't overly excessive on LeBron's end. Yeah, um, and the only thing that I would have to say to follow up to that is uh, basketball gods, uh, karma's a bitch, and um, I, I, you know, you, you flop what three hundred times in your career and you get an ejection. You, you hit that third three hundredth flop and you get an ejection. And that's that's yeah. the only way I can rationalize it. Like that's that's it. Also, like, also really quick, I just wanted to to point this out. I know, and I know a lot of people that are like LeBron enthusiasts always say Jordan did the same thing. But no, I just watched LeBron travel uh, the other day, and that was like I think he collected mileage points off that shit. Like the guy just travels like so excessively. <laughs> And the refs let him get away with it all the time. Maybe maybe this ref was like, shit, if I can't call you for traveling, I'm going to eject the shit out of you if, if I ever get a chance. And that was a shame to do it. But, LeBron, come on, man. You got to work on, on, on not traveling so much. I feel like your strides are bigger than that, that you don't have to do it so excessively. I know you don't have moves as far as dribbling and ball handling as far as, like, creating space. But by golly, you don't have to like take sixty leaps to get to the rim. That is, it's insane. Him and Harden. Harden calls it Eurostep. I most definitely call it traveling. Harden and LeBron travel a lot, and it's never called. And I just want those guys to know it's going to be a pivotal moment in a game of importance that you need that bucket, and they're going to call traveling on it. And congrats to the ref that that has the balls to do that. Hell yeah. Well, and I think it's funny, like, I think I've brought it up to you before. It might have even been on one of these shows. Like, last year, I think it was last year, it might have been the year before, like, for the for the big NBA playoff promo uh, uh, commercial, like, it was literally a picture, like, it was a shot of LeBron James driving to the lane and taking three steps and dunking the basketball. Like, it was yeah. so obviously a travel, and they put it on their promotional, you know, advertisement. Like, man, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's, that's... I don't think they that, care anymore. That's the NBA for you. <laughs> no, they they haven't cared for, for a while. They haven't. And I will say to, again, those LeBron enthusiasts that say Jordan did it, he did, but it was so, it was so, like, it wasn't often because he was so athletic that it was like he would jump, like, the free throw line and just glide in the air. LeBron yeah. literally, and again, I don't get, what I try to explain to them is, I'm not saying it, like, necessarily, like, completely negative. I'm saying it to where it's confusing. I don't get why he has to travel so much because he's so big. I would think his strides would have to be, would, would, you know, would only need to be but so small to get to the rim. You don't have to take, like, eight steps to get there. You have, you have right. a spin move or something you can, <laughs> you can maybe break out, so you don't have to just one, two, three, four, I'm at the lane for a dunk. I just, it, 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 it baffles me <laughs> that I see him yeah. travel as often as he does. Yeah, and, and, and one other thing, too, and I, I actually saw it happen to Ben Simmons tonight in the in the game against Washington, uh, which I believe the Sixers just pulled out, by the way. So, yes, they did. Process. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 like, players with big bodies don't get calls. Shaq had to deal with it for his whole career. Like, it, you know, unless it was 
you know, one of those games that uh that uh what Tim Tim Donahue, is that what well, that's the guy's name, right? Who is the <laughs> who who was ousted for, for uh cheating essentially. Yes. Um yes. Yeah. Uh unless it was one of those games, like yeah, yeah, Shaq wasn't getting calls, like uh and they traditionally don't call those body calls. They they those body fouls where you you run and you bump off somebody and, and, and they don't hit you with an arm on your arm. Those are not usually called sometimes, but it usually it's usually has to take arm to arm contact for for refs to make calls. So it's just it, I honestly kind of look at it and just think it's kind of a way for for the league to kind of even out this this obvious advantage of of just these physically gifted athletes who are built like linebackers or tight ends, if you will. Tight ends, I think, would be the better um, comparison, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, the little guy can, can bump them a little bit to kind of throw their shot off as long as they don't hit them on the arm. Uh, that's just, that's kind of the way the game's always been called. So, you know, like, yeah, you, you get bumped a lot. Like, yeah, it, 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 in college, that's a foul. In the NBA, traditionally, that's never been considered a foul. No. And I'll be honest with you, somebody that suffers from that way more than LeBron, but no one cares, uh, you know, and, and, you know, no one ever gives them the benefit of the doubt. DeMarcus Cousins gets fouled yeah. like there's no tomorrow. I All mean, they, the almost, they almost murder him in the paint, and he never gets called. And then the refs are Absolutely. so confused when DeMarcus Cousins snaps. It's like, dude, they are literally putting me in headlocks down here in the paint. And you're seeing it, and you're not calling any of it. Of course right. I'm going to get fed up at some point and want to tell you, like, can you please do something? So I think what the league needs to do is they need to, they need to figure something out so it, it, it does, it's, not a, it's not a detriment to your big guys. It's not DeMarcus Cousins' fault that he's that big. It's not Le- LeBron James' fault that he's that big. It's not even Przingis' fault that he's that tall. Because he doesn't even get calls. Uh, for his length, guys, that Dwight How that Hornets game, Dwight Howard was throwing him on the ground and he wasn't getting any calls. So I think the NBA needs to kind of figure out some happy medium. But I guess, like you said, their happy medium is allowing these guys to do things like travel. Uh, they don't get called for it. So I guess it's their way go. of saying, hey, it kind of evens out. Yeah, unless you're DeMarcus Cousins and they just call everything on you. <laughs> they call everything on you. DeMarcus Cousins yeah. sneezes, someone flops and he's ejected. So, uh, yep, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there was there was one game, I can't even remember what it was. There but there was one game last year when he was still on the Kings and they called something on him and they ended up like reversing it and he like got to come back on the court or something. Um, I don't I don't remember the exact context of it, but I mean it was ridiculous. Like whatever call they made on him was just like, are you kidding me? Like, and and he he does get it all the time. He is probably at least when he was in Sacramento. I don't see it as much now that he's in New Orleans. But when he was in Sacramento, yeah, man, not it was as like much. he is. But I I would still say it may not be as much, but he is still probably the hardest refed player in the league. Like to the point where it's just like so unjustified. It's crazy, um, but yeah, I mean LeBron, he, he's got to deal with the body contact, and you know, just be happy that you know you're built like a linebacker and you're the 
the probably the most athletically gifted player to ever play this game. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really do think he is. Um, yeah. But let's move on. We got hot takes and mock trades coming up. I was hoping Joel might check in with us uh, before before this, but I, I don't think we're going to have a Joel sighting tonight. Have you heard anything on that front, Joel? No. I think we do not have Joel for this week, but he will hopefully be back next week. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Um, but let's let's just continue on. Uh, hot takes and mock trades. Now you said before the show you got a super hot take. So I'm I've yes. been I've been waiting with bated breath. Lay it on me, my friend. All right. So I took a lot of thought <laughs> into this one, and <laughs> I hope you see it as a as a hot take. Because I certainly thought you would perceive it as a hot take. Um, so, my hot take for this week is DeMarcus Cousins will finish second in MVP votes this year to James mm. Harden. Ooh. I, uh, I don't know if he'll finish second. But I wouldn't necessarily say he doesn't deserve it. Um, the guy has been playing just re- ridiculous basketball um like it, it's it's crazy to think that the the way this team is constructed that they could even be successful at all even with just these two super talents in 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 cousins and ad um but cousins is just like he's since he's been given the off season to kind of really ingratiate himself into this lineup. I mean, he's obviously the dominant player on this team now. Like, and I don't, and I, it's not to say like AD's not still great, but it's, it's crazy because I feel like if you would have asked me two years ago, maybe, maybe three years ago, I think it was three years ago before AD went down with that first, like, like really kind of bad injury. Like, who would you rather have, A.D. or Cousins? Like, I would have said A.D. without even batting an eye. But, like, if you were to ask me that today, I, I think I would honestly rather have DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, I just think he's better. He's just a better player, which is crazy to, like, really sit and think about. But just everything that that guy does is – and the way that they work together is they figured it out, man. Like it's 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 remarkable to me. Um I I still think LeBron is is going to finish in either number one or two. Um I think Harden will finish either one or two. I, I'll probably say Cousins will finish three. Um but I I don't think it's I like I'm kind of there with you on that. Um, but I do understand why you would, like, consider that a hot take. I, I don't think people give give Boogie enough credit. Um, and no. especially, like, he's always played for small markets, Sacramento and now New Orleans. Like, you just he doesn't get that limelight uh, that no. so and many players get. Honestly, looking at his numbers, I, look at two, I looked at two things that, that – uh, you know, I came to the conclusion of, of 
putting him as high as I did. Right now, he's averaging 25.5 points per game, 12.6 rebounds per game. The team also is the seventh seed in the Western Conference at 11 and 9. And honestly, these are the teams above them in their in their oops, excuse me, their uh their their standings. So you have Denver at 11 and 9, Minnesota at 12 and 9, Denver's at six, Minnesota's at five, Portland's at four with 13 and eight, and San Antonio is at three with 13 and seven. Now, if New Orleans can stay healthy. We have the same situation in the West that we do in the East. That is literally like maybe two or three losses. That is the difference between maybe the third team and the eighth team. So if New Orleans can stay healthy uh, and keep playing as hard as they are, I'm not saying they'll end up being a better team than San Antonio. I think when Kawhi gets back, that team's going to be monstrous. Um, if and when Kawhi comes finish, back. If and when, Absolutely. Um, so let's let's just go off of what we know now, and there is no Kawhi. So let's go off of what we know now. New Orleans by next week could be the third seed in the Western Conference. And honestly, you have a Golden State at number two that's fifteen and six. Right. The 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 averages aren't that far off. And if he can keep his numbers up, maybe even grow his numbers as far as points per game. I don't think you can look at this guy and just go, eh, no, no, he's not a guy I want to give my MVP to. And you know what it reminds me of? That tw- And I know I keep going back to this, but that 2012-2013 season where Carmelo showed you he could be a, 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 a leader and he was passing the ball, rebounding, playing hard, and his points per game were up there with the best of them. And he mm-hmm. only got one vote that year for MVP. And yeah, I that was the I, year. It's, it's, that was the year that LeBron missed out on the unanimous MVP by one vote from that guy who gave it yes. to Melo. <laughs> yes. And now a lot of people said the reason why he didn't get uh, more votes is they they deter- they made a, a decision about his character when uh, when Garnett was calling his wife Honey Net Cheerios and he was waiting by the, the team bus to fight Garnett. They were saying that a lot of the voters but saw Garnett that. Garnett would have kicked like, his ass. <laughs> well, Melo didn't say I'm that. I'm sorry. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so they were saying a lot of voters saw that and were just like, that's not a guy we want as our MVP. That is the uh, only explanation that makes sense because I, you can't tell. And, listen, if you're saying he didn't deserve to win it, that's fine. But you can't tell me how did only one person vote for this guy? He got his team to the second round of the playoffs, if not for a coaching error could have beaten the Indiana Pacers and went and saw the Miami Heat, who they did have, I believe, they they did win the series against Miami during the regular season, and that team was better prepared for Miami than it was Indiana, obviously. That, yeah. I just don't understand how you look at a guy like that and just go, nah, he's not MVP caliber, when he had an MVP caliber season. So I think sure. DeMarcus Cousins, like I said, if he can keep the winning going, not even necessarily his numbers, the winning. Because that 25 or whatever, what did I say, 25 or 25.5 points per game, uh, that's, a good, that's a good point to be at, to, to be in that MVP conversation. But they're looking mm-hmm. more for winning. So you being in the playoff picture right now is a good start. But for them to open their eyes to you, DeMarcus, you have to keep yourself composed and you have to keep winning. And like I just showed you with the, the teams ahead of them, 
that's not that far of a stretch. I think DeMarcus Cousins can be an MVP candidate finishing number two in votes this season only to James Harden. Hey, man, like I said, I'm, I've, I'm right there with you. I would even I, – I feel like you should have just gone all in and said he's going to be MVP. <laughs> like, only reason but I, I understand couldn't, only reason I couldn't do that their, is because of the team, team record. The team I got and the team and honestly, I think I'm the only person who thinks this. I actually thought Harden should have won MVP last year. So the fact that he didn't sure. win it last year, I can't is keep snuffing this votes. guy. Say it one more time. Uh, sympathy votes. Like even if even if Cousins yeah. ends up having like even if if Cousins is right there and maybe has a slightly better season like you 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 give it to the body of work like I agree with you like I I I I don't necessarily agree with you that he should have won it last season. Um, to me, I felt like the fact that Russ averages triple double is just crazy. Like nobody ever thought that would happen again. Um, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I, I, I think if uh, if it weren't for the triple-double stat line that it's just so ingrained as an important uh, figurehead to basketball enthusiasts, then if you take those kind of benchmark stats out of it, yeah, I, I would have probably given it to hard. I mean, his team had a better record. Yeah, um, but... He, he, it, it, he, he was he was probably the more uh, overall accomplished player last year. Um, but that's but what I think, confuses you know, the, me about the storyline of the loss of Durant and everything else. I think definitely um, uh, made Russell Westbrook's achievements uh, even more prominent. But that's what I mean. The only reason I didn't say Demarcus Cousins will win it is because. Uh, the Rockets seem to me uh, like I used to compare Peyton Manning and the Colts. They're one of the greatest regular season teams. They just don't overly perform well in the postseason. So I feel yeah. as though the Rockets won't finish any lower than the third seed. I feel as though the Pelicans won't finish any higher than maybe the third or the fourth. I just don't see them having a better season than Houston. So I can't, right. I can't give a guy who's giving you numbers and giving you winning, and giving you success, I can't give it to the guy who's, who's not doing that. And I think last year, everyone was just caught so off guard with a guy in the point guard position averaging a triple-double. They ignored the fact that Harden, uh, I don't think he averaged more points, but the fact that Harden led his team farther in the playoffs and had a better regular season than Russell Westbrook did, like success-wise. So I, I can't go another season and not give it to Harden when he season after season keeps giving you MVP-like seasons and we just keep finding other people to give it to. So that's the sure. only reason why I didn't pull the trigger and be bold enough to just say he'll finish, the Marcus will finish first in votes. No, I feel you. I feel you on that. All right. So mock trade time. Uh, and it's kind of interesting uh, because this show has just, seem to transition seamlessly and here's another one uh, because my mock trade for the night actually involved the New Orleans Pelicans um, so here it is uh, I think that the Pelicans should trade Solomon Hill Alexia Gentia 
and their 2018 first-round pick, lottery protected, uh, so 1 through 14. Uh, at 1 through 10 at minimum, but probably like just in case, like, you know, Boogie goes down and AD's out for, you know, whatever amount of period that he's normally out for a given season. So maybe like 1 through 10 protected. Um, so Solomon Hill, Agencia, 2018 first-round pick, top 10 protected for Damari Carroll. Um, Damari Carroll is playing the best basketball that he's played since he was an Atlanta Hawk this year. He's got a 16.0 player efficiency rating. Um, He can play both the three and the four. Uh, I think he would be such a huge relief to a team that is so desperate to find somebody be a, a consistent quality three on this team. He has size. Uh, he's six foot eight. He's got a good build. Um, I think he would fit in perfectly with uh, AD and uh, Cousins as far as his ability uh, to defend, his ability to hit shots from the perimeter, um, his ability to create offense, uh, and Furthermore, like his passing ability, I feel like is, is slightly underrated. He doesn't necessarily get a lot of assists, but he gets those quote-unquote hockey assists. Um, he's playing great basketball. He didn't play well in Toronto, but a lot of that had to do with just their their schemes and their game plan um, with such a heavy guard-dominant uh, team. I mean, you had a lot of hero ball from Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and he just never really fit in with that. Um, but he's used to playing with two dominant paint players because he played really well alongside Paul Millsap and Al Horford when he played for Atlanta. So he's like used to that kind of um, scheme, that, that game plan. Um, so you pair him with two uh, post players who are exponentially better than Paul Millsap and Al Horford, uh, I, I think it would – he, they would be ripe for um, for uh, for him to succeed in that in that system. Uh, you're not getting anything out of Solomon Hill this year because he's hurt. Um, Alexia Gentia is is either hurt or just not playing because he's that bad. I'm not sure which is the case, um, but he's I, I, he's as far as his player efficiency rating, it's nothing because he hasn't played. Um, so I feel like giving up those two guys and your 2018 first-round pick is, is worth getting to Mari Carroll. Um, now on the net side, uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're getting the raw end of the deal on this as far as the players for this season. Um, but Solomon Hill is not a bad player. He, I mean, he's a little overpaid. He, he's making about $12 million and he signed for three seasons, but he's five years younger than Damari Carroll. So he fits your your timeline better with your young talent. Um, Alexia Gentia has only got two more years on his contract at roughly $5 million. So it's not like something that you're taking on. It's not a really bad contract that you're taking on. Um, and getting another first-round pick, I mean, they already have Toronto's. So if you were to get Toronto's and New Orleans – I mean, that kind of sets yourself up to, to draft a couple of players to 
<clears throat> ingratiate into your young lineup. Um, and, you know, next year Solomon Hill will be back. Um, he'll You can work him into your lineup. I think he could be a good uh, almost like six-man piece to that lineup playing behind um, uh, Hollis Jefferson. Uh, I, I think he could be definitely a contributor. You'd have him for two more years. Uh, with Agentia, you would have him for, for only one more year. Um, so as an expiring contract, maybe you could take that $5 million and send him somewhere where you know somebody wanted to cut some cap space. Um, so I think there's a lot of benefits to the Nets. And I think that if you're the Nets, if you can get you already have Toronto's pick. If you can get New Orleans' pick, I think there's a very strong possibility that you could flip both of those. A couple of your expiring contracts, we'll say maybe Quincy AC and, I don't know, uh, let's say Sean Kilpatrick. Um, he hasn't really been logging a lot of minutes this year. Um, so you could flip those two guys, those two uh, late first-round draft picks, for somebody like Julius Randle, I, I definitely think that would be a situation that the Nets would want to do because if you can get Julius Randle, um, who obviously the Lakers are shopping, if you can get him, you know, then you've got like a young core of Russell, Crabb, Hollis Jefferson, Randle, and Jared Allen. It's a really good young core. Um, so I think getting this extra pick – helps with your flexibility as far as trying to bring in players who can help you start winning some games. Um, and obviously they get their draft picks back finally next next season. I think it would be a really smart trade for both teams. Um, and I, uh, I think as far as the Pelicans are concerned, it would be so helpful to get a consistent three um, and – Honestly, I would run the lineup. I know that they've kind of experimented and, and they feel like, for whatever reason, Drew Holiday is a little better suited at the at the two. I don't think so. Like, I've watched this team a little bit. I don't really like the way Rondo plays with the rest of this team. Um, I think they should just go with with Holiday at the one, more at the two, Carroll at the three, and then your two all-stars down in the paint. Let let Boogie kind of play that Jokic position because he is such a good passer. So kind of that like point center almost uh, uh, role um, and let guys move around the court um, who can get open and hit shots. And I think, I think that's would be well worth the pick. And then finally, uh, the one other point that I have to make as far as New Orleans, um, you're cutting roughly $2.4 million off your, off your cap. They are uh, almost $80,000 over the luxury tax line uh, as of right now. Um, so by cutting $2.4 million, you're, you're dropping yourself out of the luxury tax which means next year when you have to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins, you're not paying the repeater offense as far as the luxury tax. It saves your organization so much money um, by not having to pay a repeater offense, a second-time repeater offense as far as the luxury tax is concerned. Um, and 
by making this trade, you open up a roster spot, which you could sign a minimum contract of, of the standard $1.3 million and still not be over the luxury tax because of how much money you're cutting, cutting $2.4 million. So you can just float under the line with signing one more player for that $1.3 million and you're still you're still under the luxury tax. You can add an extra player um, at some point throughout the season. I'll probably just wait until um, the trade deadline and when you know all the cuts start happening and free agents become available that weren't previously available. Add an extra piece of depth to your team. Make a playoff run. See what you can do. Um, I think if if you're gonna if you're obviously I, I feel like at this point the Pelicans are buyers, not sellers. Um, I feel like this AD, uh, DeMarcus Cousins things might actually work itself out, but you need somebody who can be a reliable three. You can get that, shave a little uh, uh, luxury tax and, and cap room, and uh, all you got to give up is first-round pick, which I feel like is all you would have to give up for Damari Carroll in this in this trade scenario. Um, I think it's well worth it. So, Jawan, what are your thoughts on that trade? I love that trade. Um, as someone who enjoys playing as the Pelicans uh, on 2K, uh, I definitely uh, feel as though they need another consistent score. Uh, and it would help a lot because what they what they do a lot is what we were saying at the beginning of the season they would have to do with this team, and that's be able to uh, play one without the other. Uh, while the other one's on the bench, uh, one of them has to always be on the court. Right. Um, that's, you know, so having another consistent uh, score there helps out tremendously. Uh, Especially you somebody know, who can play wood. the three and the four. Right. Knock on wood, uh, you know, if an injury were to happen and one guy would have to sit, you need to know that you have someone that can be on the floor uh, and try to you know, help keep that offense going um, so you don't have to make DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis play like 30, 38, 30, 36 to 38 minutes uh, a game just to compensate, uh, you know, because someone's out. So putting which, a DeMarcus Which Carroll they're in, already doing. Like that, that, well, yeah, that yeah. team is already – they're already overextending all their players because they don't have right. Solomon Hill, because they don't have Alexia Gentry or he's just useless, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but, like, yeah, exactly. So you 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 make a trade for with a team who, who could really use a draft pick and you get back a player that you could count on, rely on, that can give you quality minutes. I completely agree with you. I think it works for everybody. Um and like I said, I love the idea of DeMarco. Honestly, the entire time you were talking about that trade, I was just like, Nick, shut up so no one hears you. I, I, I wanted the <laughs> Nick because I knew they weren't going to get Jay Crowder like ever. I thought the poor man's Jay Crowder was always Damari Carroll. Sure, I was like, man, man I'd love – because the, the Knicks are missing uh, scoring from that position because you have your point guards who are only looking to facilitate – and then you have, you know, Hardaway, who's super aggressive, Przingis, uh, who's super uh, aggressive, and uh, Cancer. So you're just missing that four, uh, that that uh, that small forward that can stretch and play the the four. So I think it, getting Demar Carroll for the Knicks would tremendously help that team out. But to the to your question, 
yes, that is a great trade. I love it, um, and I think it works for them. And I also think, uh, and you brought up a really good point, uh, around the trade deadline where it's, everyone starts to free up, I think if they can grab a shooter that uh, at that number two yes. position, they can grab a shooter with Carroll, and they can keep Holiday, uh, you know, get that shooter, Carroll, um, DeMarcus Cousins, and A.D., I think that team will definitely be able to make the push that I was, uh, you know, hoping DeMarcus would make to be in that MVP uh, conversation. And I think that team will really be feared. Excuse me, because if you're the Golden State Warriors, your only weakness is uh, is size. You do not have size. As much as uh, Draymond likes to think he's a big guy, uh, he's not doing anything to DeMarcus Cousins. Outside of maybe mentally trying to get in. Outside of mentally trying to get in his head and get him ejected, but you're not Maybe, doing anything but... to you're not doing anything to stop AD or or a healthy AD or a a completely focused and determined Demarcus Cousins. So that well, and not to mention Carroll, even 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 like if, if if they're playing small, even KD trying to guard AD would be hilarious. Like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, Kevin Durant is a is is a terrific player, and 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 the way that he's upped his defense since going to Golden State is remarkable. But you ain't guarding Anthony Davis if he's healthy. Like you, your body can't take that kind of pain on a night to night basis. I mean, both of those guys would just be eaten alive by the front court. And then if you've got if you've got Carroll. Like I mean, Carroll is a is a competent enough defender. Like you said, he's a, he's a poor man's Jay Crowder. You you can stick him in a lot of different places. Um, you, you know, I mean, he can guard a lot of different a lot of different spots. But I mean, if you've got him going against Iguodala, they almost kind of just cancel each other out. And then you're just relying on Drew Holiday to contain Curry. And Drew Holiday, for for all of his offensive weaknesses this year has been one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, I mean, he's, his plus-minus has been terrific uh, for them as far as defensively. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think – I tell you what, what would be really interesting is if Houston finished number one, which I think is a very – there's a very good possibility that that happens just because Golden State seems so kind of lackadaisical with, with their play mm-hmm. thus far this season. Um, I mean, who'd they lose to the other night? Who was it? It was crazy. I saw – I can't remember who it was, but I saw it, and I was like, really? Do you remember? Well, to be fair, yeah, I can't remember. Hold on. I'm going to look it up now. That's right. The exact it, well, yeah, was. Steph, both Steph and Katie were out. Like, yeah. Right. Um, so, right. But regardless, I think it was the Kings. Was it the Kings? I'm pretty sure. On, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Sacramento. Now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Sacramento. Um, but nevertheless, like even if the thing is, even if Steph yeah, and Katie are out, yeah, you shouldn't lose to the Kings, man. You still got Clay. You still got Draymond. Sean Livingston is a competent enough player. Nick Young needs to hit some shots. Like that's 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 bad. Um, but anyway, so like. They're, obviously, they're kind of sleepwalking through the regular season, which you know all teams who, you know, are as as productive as as they have been the past three years, kind of get to that phase. 
Um, LeBron's been sleepwalking through the regular season for like seven years. Um, my point being is how often would it be if this trade went through and New Orleans was able to get themselves up to that three seed and then, you know, we had a a, a, a matchup with between the two and the three in the second round between Golden State and New Orleans. Like, that that would be a really, really fun matchup to watch. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you this. If, like I said, this is a big if, one, for your trade, and two, because they, they desperately need a shooter at that two position. If they can get well, they got Ian Clark. Teams, Keep that in mind. That they need a better shooter than Ian Clark. Well, they need a better complete player who can also shoot. Right. Okay, yeah, I give you yeah. that. I give you that. Um, if they can get that, and both of those, both the trade and getting somebody of that caliber in, uh, out there in free agency are both very doable. So they're both very realistic. Um, if they can do that, then I tell you what, man, I'm not so easily brushing off Pelicans, Warriors, possible conference finals. I, I'm, I'm not. I mean, because the biggest thing is I have to go off of right now. There is no Kawhi right now, so I, I can't. I can't even mentally say, all right, well, when he comes back, they're easily going to be in the uh, the Western Conference Finals. I don't know if I could say right. that because uh, without them, they 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 look good, but they don't look scary good to where you're like, man, when Kawhi gets back, they're really going to put it over the edge. And that's right. what we were trying to explain to Joel with Chris Paul and the Rockets, like. The Rockets are, are, are scary good in the regular season, but Chris Paul isn't the extra scary factor that makes you go, uh-oh, we got to play these guys. No, I don't think Golden State lost any sleep when Chris Paul went to the Rockets. I think, right. if anything, they got more sleep. <laughs> um, but I think uh, a very healthy Pelicans team that is uh, that has consistent shooting. Yeah, upgrade. I'll say that. I won't even go through the what I was going to say there that's completely upgraded, I think they, they look at that and they go, I don't know if I want to see those guys. Uh, right. Because on the night to night, having to bang with DeMarcus and AD, not easy. Nah, not at all. Man, that, that, that lined up perfectly. That was, a, that was probably our best hot takes mock trades uh, to this point. Um, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so let's get into the uh, final topic, our first quarter awards. These are our, uh, basically what, what what awards are presenting at the end of the season, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved Player and Coach of the Year throughout the first quarter of play, roughly the first 21 games of the season. Some teams have played a little bit more. Um, but through the first quarter of this year, Juwan, I feel like you've already said it, but who is your MVP? Honestly, it's funny. I had DeMarcus Cousins as my, like, 1B, but I'm sorry. This is a guy I've I've been lobbying for uh, since the beginning of the season. My MVP so far, and I can't move away from it, is Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. I feel as though Ooh. right now he is the, he is the best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference uh, at this current moment. So I cannot give it to DeMarcus yet, but I'm, I, I no kind of feel Harden. as though – No, 
No, I only said James Harden earlier when I said DeMarcus will finish second to him is because if you look at the way he's playing uh, in the West, because you got to think of the voters. You can't think of just you because you're always going right. to think differently than the voters. Right, uh, right, right. But I was right. thinking from a perspective of the voters. The voters are going to have so, hard. So you're being subjective, and you were being objective when you were saying hard. Exactly, right. Um, but if you're, if you're asking me, who do I personally think is uh, the MVP right now, this second? Kyrie Irving, hands down. I think James Harden's doing amazing things. The only issue I have with James Harden is that he looks great during the regular season, but he spins so much in the regular season, he has nothing to give in the playoffs. I do not think that'll be an issue for Kyrie. And I think when we talk – say it again? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's why he was supposed to have Chris Paul so he didn't have to do as much, but it looks like he's doing more with Chris Paul. Um, I do right. not think that's going to be an issue like, for Kyrie. Pretty much Kyrie. Chris Paul's just is just being a glorified Patrick Beverly. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Just a more efficient offensive uh, Patrick Beverly. Um, right. But I, Kyrie has what Kobe has. Kobe would play like a million minutes during the regular season, and it would seem like he was fresh for the playoffs. I believe that'll be Kyrie. And when I think of an MVP. Like, a lot of these voters only go off of your numbers. I go off of your, your success. So if Kyrie finishes as the number one team, even if he gets knocked down to number two, I don't even think that'll happen. But let's say he finishes as the number one, number one seed. I don't see that team losing till possibly, even though I think they're going to the finals, they might possibly lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if they do that, that still puts Kyrie up there in MVP conversations. Because let's not forget – Westbrook uh, didn't make it past the first round and still got an MVP. So if you tell me the first yep. seed got to the Eastern Conference Finals and he can't win it, I wouldn't be able to get that. So I see Kyrie going farther than Harden in the postseason, which is why I give him the advantage of the MVP. Even though it's a regular season award, we all know that uh, it's not just a regular season award. They say it's just a regular season award, but we all know there's there's a little bit more at play than that, and and projections have a lot to do with it. And I I do give you yep. some credence uh, for that. Um, my MVP is no surprise. I mean, it's LeBron James. The I mean the fact that that LeBron has put this team on his shoulders. He it's essentially him. Kevin Love and a bunch of glorified role players. I mean, Isaiah Thomas obviously is not back. Derrick Rose is hurt, hadn't been really contributing. Uh, D Wade's kind of finally starting to come around, starting to really kind of contribute and 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 work himself into this team. Um, but Jarrah Smith has been as wildly inconsistent as he was last season. Um, I think Kyle Korver has finally worked himself into this team as well since since his acquisition last year. Um, Jeff Green has worked himself in flawlessly. Crowder's had some growing pains. But the way that LeBron has been able to basically come in and take a completely revamped team and put it on his shoulders and just elevate this team and make it work is so remarkable to me, especially at his age. 
um, 15 years into uh, his career, and he's playing this great. I mean, statistically, he's having as good of, if not his best season to this point. And I'm not a huge fan of Nick Wright at all. <laughs> um, Me neither. But <laughs> but I, I did see him make a very, very interesting point uh, maybe yesterday. Uh, LeBron James' field goal percentage is better than Shaq when he won his MVP. His three-point percentage is better than Kevin Durant when he won his MVP. Um, his rebounds are better than uh, who was it? It was somebody. It was somebody else. Basically, uh, he he put up four different MVP winners, and uh, LeBron's stats were better than all of those MVP winners in those respective categories. Um, and they were all like legit MVP winners. They, none of them were like anomaly MVP winners. Um, so I, I think that there, there is certainly his his play has just been terrific this season, regardless of of you know Nick Wright coming up with any sort of weird stats to try and elevate LeBron beyond what he needs to be elevated to. Um, but I, I did find it interesting, nevertheless. Uh, but no, man. I mean, he's just he's just balling out. He's playing great. His team's on what, like a seven, eight, nine game winning streak, something in that range. Yeah. can't I remember mean, exactly what it I was. I would even say, uh, I would even say the one point you made of what he's able to do with pretty much Kevin Love in a bunch of mop buckets. I would say, I <laughs> hey, they mop argument. buckets. Come on now. <laughs> well, you know what I'm trying to say. Just uh, role play, glorified role play. Yeah. Um, I think I could reverse that and use that same aspect for, for Kyrie. Hear me out. What LeBron's doing with a bunch of AARP players. Hold on, hold on, hear me out. But LeBron's no, doing I'm with a bunch of AARP players. Uh, and Kevin Love being the best out of those AARP players. Kyrie's <laughs> taking a bunch of young guys. One of them being a rookie, the other one uh, being a sophomore, and he is leading that team. And honestly, Here's, they are beating other Eastern Conference teams that they need to beat for us to take them seriously. Now, I know a lot right. of people can say, well, Brad Stevens technically had that team in the same spot with the team last year. So a lot of people give a lot of their credit to Brad Stevens. But if you watch the Celtics game, Right, right, and I'm not knocking you for that, but if you watch these Boston games, they're winning because of Kyrie. Yeah. Am no, I right yeah. or am I wrong? No, you're, you're, you know you're not saying? wrong. Yeah. Just like Brad Stevens last year, as great of a coach as he is, they don't win those games without Isaiah Thomas. That was shown right. in that playoff series against Cleveland. Uh, they, right. they got that hallelujah win. But I don't even count that. Um, so I look at this team and I go, if you pluck Kyrie off and just put any other point guard back there, Brad Stevens might have that team as the second or third best team in the Eastern Conference because he's that good of a coach. But he doesn't have a guy that could take over the game like a uh, Kyrie can. Sure. Um, I, I, my biggest argument, though, would be, and you, you touched on it, Boston's coach is is so much better than Cleveland's coach. I mean, like LeBron James is a great coach, but he ain't no Brad Stevens. Like, let's just be honest here. 
Um, of course, uh, yeah, Ty Lue is true. the coach, but 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 we all no, know LeBron's LeBron. the coach. <laughs> LeBron's, LeBron's the real coach. Um, Ty, Ty Lue has just has just been elevated to coach by name, but is still as he always was the assistant coach. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. But, Tyrone Lue is only being called the head coach because legally LeBron can't be the player right. and the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's, that's too bad. Cause you know, like the, the star players or the, the veteran players, if you will, used to be able to be the head coach too. Like Bill Russell. Yeah. I think at one point after red Auerbach was at one point, like the, the player coach, um, I may be wrong about that, but I'm definitely not wrong that there used to be player coaches. Because um, I think LeBron, like, if you just elevated him to coach, like, and just made it official, like, if you made player coaches, like, a, like a, a, a legal thing in the league, I, I think LeBron would make a great player coach. I don't think he would be as good as Brad Stevens because, you know, Brad Stevens is just, you know, the best coach in the league, sort of Greg Popovich. But, um, but nevertheless, like, uh, I mean, yeah, Ty- Tyron Lue is, is coaching name only. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you got some valid arguments. I think, I think LeBron's, uh, LeBron's got as much of the same kind of load that Kyrie has with a little less talent, even though Kyrie is dealing with a lot younger talent. Um, obviously Brown's only in his second year. Tatum's only in his first year. Um, they're both dealing with, uh, immense injuries, and they both have led their teams to success, um, despite you know the obstacles against them. So I mean, I think there's a lot of parallels there. I think LeBron's stats are just so much better, you know. Obviously, um, and I know you, yeah. I know like stats that aren't your biggest determining factor, and they're not mine either. Um, I just think that's kind of the kicker that LeBron has in his his. Um, and 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 I just want to say if if they came out and said tomorrow LeBron was the MVP, I wouldn't come on the show and go I don't get how he was. I would understand it. I mean he was yeah. again my MVP pick to start the season preseason well, right, because right. of because of uh, you know because I thought he was developing a sob story so they were going to fall into that, uh, <laughs> but that wasn't to take away anything from his talent. So I get it if he wanted. But if you're asking me who do I want or who do I think is the MVP, it's Kyrie. And it might be a little biased because you know how much I love Kyrie. But his numbers and his productivity does back that up. But if you told me it came neck to neck with Kyrie and LeBron and LeBron took it, I wouldn't get on air and go, I don't get it. I don't get it. Kyrie's way better. I wouldn't say any of that. I would just go, LeBron must have ended the season on (laughs) the craziest run a team that started off that horribly could have for him to have won it. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all, but definitely wouldn't be my pick. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but let's move on. Um, I think, I feel like we have to be in agreement on this one. Rookie of the year. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We're not. <laughs> oh We're shit. Not. All right. Go um, ahead. And what's funny about that is, let me just say this to everyone that's going to call me insane. I get it. Ben Simmons is the is going to be the rookie of the year this year. I get it. I have never been a fan of you giving someone who is not 
a rookie the award. I get that they weren't able to play the year before, uh, you know, so you count this as his rookie season. I feel as though when you do that, it always robs somebody that, you know, that, that is the rookie of that year, but you're giving it to somebody of last year's class. I think you need okay. a sophomore of the year award or something along those lines because you're robbing the current rookie class. Because then you have people confused, like, oh, man, Ben Simmons, like, he was a rookie. You know, he's a rookie this year doing triple double. No, he's not. He was a rookie last year. Same thing with Embiid, uh, with him even being in question of being a rookie of the year last year. But I think he was in the league, like, a year ago or two years ago. So all I'm saying is, yes, I get it. Just like everyone else does, Ben Simmons is playing out of his mind. He is definitely going to be the rookie of the year. But if you're asking me who do I pick, I am going with Lonzo Ball. I feel as though Lonzo Ball, out of all the other rookies, is having a better statistical season. Statistical season. And I looked up the Dennis Juniors, the De'Aaron Foxes. He is having a better statistical season from his points, his rebounds. Well, not his points but his rebounds and his assists overall, uh, his field goal percentage and stuff terribly. like that. I was going to say, got his the, field goal percentage and got, stuff like that. He is the worst three-point He is the worst three point shooter in the NBA by, like, volume three-point shooter in the NBA this season. So, so you've got you you to at least expect that he's going to, he's going to improve in that regard. I would hope so, but let me ask you this. If you if Ben Simmons played last year, of course it's hypothetical. If he played last year, wasn't in contention for Rookie of the Year this year. Sure. Would it? Would you have a definitive guy that you'd have in mind over Lonzo yeah. Ball for this year? Yeah, Jason. Who Tatum. would you pick? Jason Tatum. Who? Jason. Tatum. Oh, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. He would be my only obvious reason... Rookie of the Year this year. Like the the, the only, only person that I could I could even put in in class with Jason Tatum is. And it's 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 debatable because I feel like Garen Fox and and um, Dennis Smith Jr. are kind of on par with one another. They're both getting right. some That's pretty heavy minutes. Um, and, and along with Lonzo Ball, all three of those point guards are getting heavy minutes. Um, I'm kind of waiting for Frank to get those heavy minutes, but he's been kind of tinkering with injuries throughout the beginning of this year. So I understand why they're kind of limiting his play. Um, but I mean, the, all three of those guys are getting a lot of minutes. I I can't get past the fact that that Lonzo Ball is just is shooting as bad as he is. You're right; he's been passing the ball great. I've seen some tremendous highlight reel passes. Um, he's been rebounding very efficiently. And rebounding. Um, yeah. yeah, but he just can't shoot, man. Like he has been he horrible from the field. I'll say this: the only reason I didn't feel comfortable giving it to Tatum is because anytime a rookie is on a team that good, you then begin to go, well, is it the team? Or is, like, if I put Tatum in in Sacramento, would he be able to do the same thing? Which is uh, weird I'm not because I know exactly guy. what you're saying, but you it's like mm-hmm. the opposite. It's the opposite for any sort of player who is older. You know what I mean? Like, there's the yeah, opposite effect you. when you have, like, a – either a four- or five-year player, and you're like, are they really that good, or is it just because they're on a shitty team? But I know what you're saying. Like, you, you do kind of wonder if if with a rookie, if someone comes in and, and is successful, are they just a product of their team, or are they really that good? Um, which is a well, weird dynamic. 
it's very weird, but I always look at rookies who come in to a horrible team that thrive. Because then you go, all right, well, they could play anywhere and thrive. It's obviously not the system because the team's horrible. Uh, right. They don't know, have any sort of direction Fox, or what have you. Yeah. Right. So when you look at De'Aaron Fox or you look at uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and you see what they're getting off, you're getting it off because they're not really playing with that much other talent. So they have to get it off for the team to even be remotely close to, to doing any. So when you look at Tatum, you go, all right, well, if Tatum goes 0 for, 0 for 6 in a game and he only gets like 10 points from the free throw line, um, you go, well, they still won the game. Well, why? Well, because the team is really good. So that's why – and you know I'm a huge fan of Jason Tatum. You, you know I'm a huge fan of that entire Celtics team, especially Tatum and Brown. So I, I'm not dismissing uh, Jason Tatum at all. I just didn't think of him because I'm like, I didn't know if I could separate uh, what he's doing between the team's success because I don't know, like, I, I don't know how far I can separate the two. Sure. Lonzo, sure. I, I only brought up Lonzo because I'm looking at him, 8.7 points per game, 7.1 assists per game, and 7.3 rebounds per game. That's, that's, that's really good. It, again, it's not Ben Simmons' numbers, but that's really good for a rookie in his first year, who I think is still trying to get the jitters Through the first quarter of the season. As far yeah. as shooting. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I that's, still think that's, you're that's crazy. I think, that's, I think that's your hot take for the night, honestly. Uh, I think that's way <laughs> hotter than your, your cousin's take. But let's move on. we got about seven <laughs> minutes left, uh, actually six and a okay. half. we gotta, we got to cover uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved Player, and Coach of the Year. So let's be quick. Defensive Player of the Year, who you got? Andre Drummond, 14 points per game and 15 rebounds per Same. game. I have Andre Drummond as my uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I I'm the exact same. I think the guy's got to get some love somewhere. The guy gets rebounds like no tomorrow. He gets blocks. He protects the paint. Um, obviously, Gobert is hurt. The Warriors have not been playing super well, so I don't think you can really give it to Draymond Green. Uh, not that they, they haven't been playing up to what we know their potential is anyway. Um, Detroit is far right. actually out uh, uh, play, playing their potential. So I, I agree. You give it to Drummond as of right now. As of right now, I give it to Drummond. Um, six man of the year, who you got? Uh, Will Barton. Nice. I, I love it. Um, I think Will Barton is, is – he's such an underrated player. And, like, we actually had a, a topic uh, earlier this season, uh, contender or pretender, for Will Barton to be uh, six man of the year. And, you know, like – I, I love that pick. I, I really do. I, I think out of out of anybody uh, to be my number two, I, I think I would pick him. Um, but mine is is somebody again who doesn't have great stats. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is yeah. He does not. He does not like. I I read something interesting the other day. The worse he shoots, the better his team plays. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't understand the parallel because he does not put up stats, but he's just so important to that team. And I don't think he would be like I. He's just such a weird player. I hope Boston doesn't overpay him, and I hope some other team doesn't come in and try to overpay him. Because um, I mean, I think he's like a twelve to fifteen million dollar a year player. Um, like, I mean, to, to, I would really hesitate to pay him more than that um, because no other team should want to pay him more than about 8 or $10 million a year for what he would bring to that team. There's just 
But yeah. like for whatever reason, he makes he makes those Celtics click. Um, but I, I I completely agree with you. Will Barton has has been such a huge force. He he closes out games for that team. Like um, he he can play the two, he can play the three. Um, just super super terrific and underrated player. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, most improved player you got. I got Kristaps Porzingis sitting at 27 points per game and 7.2 rebounds per game. Man, I totally feel you on that one. Um, I got an oddball most improved player because we all know most improved player is is normally reserved for that guy who made that extra leap and, you know, you know, traditionally been either okay or, or decent or maybe even bad, but then – you know, had a really good season. They're like three, four, five years into the league, and they, you know, have that that season that it's just like, wow, this is a good player now. Um, yeah. Like, if you want to break it down, who I really think the most improved player of the year is, Lamarcus Aldridge. We all know Lamarcus Aldridge was hot garbage last year in the playoffs, um, and and even the year before, really. Um, and kind of struggled through last season, like had some good games, but like wasn't really efficient. He has been probably the second most important part of of uh, San Antonio playing as well as they have. Obviously, the most important part being Coach Pop. Uh, but right. I mean, he's just been so important to to the, that team as far as playing. Uh, as well as they have, and he's he's just been such a huge factor. He has put that team on his back while Kawhi is out, and whatever little come-to-Jesus meeting that he and Coach Pop had, it was huge. All right, last one, Coach of the Year, who you got? Easy, and I, I can't even – you can't even uh, <laughs> go with anyone else. It's Brad Stevens. His team's it sitting at 18-4 and four in their first in the Eastern Conference. He is – Without a doubt, uh, coach of the year. Yeah, it absolutely is. I would give an honorable honorable mention to Coach Popovich, but everything that Popovich is dealing with, Brad Stevens is also dealing with. Uh, I mean, yep. they they're missing Kawhi. Obviously, Stevens is missing uh, is missing uh, Hayward, and he's dealing with a completely new roster, and they're still like just playing outstanding basketball. It is. Definitely 100% Brad Stevens. Man, what a good show, man. That was a lot of fun. Like, I loved it. It was uh, another great show and um, had a really good time debating all these topics. But it wasn't a lot of debate. Actually, it was a lot of agreeing. We need to get Joel back on here next (laughs) week so we can have some more arguing going on. (laughs) Absolutely. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for joining us. It was another excellent show. Check back in with us next week, same time, same channel, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, Full Court Press. Join us on Sunday, Geek Vibes Live, 8 o'clock Saturday. It's going to be awesome. Peace out, y'all. See ya.